Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to the episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, today is going to be our third episode of uh, Bugarama series from the show where I got to meet some people. And on this particular episode, I met a guy as I was walking through the swap meet. And one of the things I love about our community is that, you know, you find these guys that are really doing something and then they decide no one's making it good enough. So they go out and go out of their way. And have it made. Uh, this this guy in particular, Mark, made uh, custom cam gears that allow you to dial in your cam timing exactly the way uh, you want it, specifically to the degrees. So we get we go down the rabbit hole talking about cam timing and whatnot. He's also had a car that was featured in Hot VWs in 2012, uh, twin turbo 1959 bug. So he's had his experience with working on turbos and, and messing with the you know messing with cam timing and all kinds of stuff. And being an engineer by trade, you know, uh, he's really got a desire to kind of tinker with things and whatnot. So when I saw him in the swap meet, I started to talk to him about the cam gears and stuff, and I saw how you know, how driven he was by what he believes in. So it's one of the things I love about this hobby, right? So I invite him over to the booth and said, hey, when you get a chance, come over and let me talk to you about your cam gear. So Mark has a company called oldschoolperformance.net. And that's his company where he makes this custom dial cam uh, gear that you can check out. Uh, real interesting guy, good to talk to. And the magazine that he was in for reference was June of 2012. His uh, twin turbo bug was in there, so he's got a lot of experience doing his own his own hands on stuff. So check him out right now. Let's get a listen from our sponsors. Guess who's back? VW Trends Magazine. That's who bringing back the fun in magazines, a true cross culture of the VW hobby. VW Trends was always willing to step outside and bring you the latest trend in the VW scene, and you could be a part of this historic relaunch. How you ask? Well, go to vwtrendsmagazine.com, and there are several different ways that you can help relaunch this magazine. That's right. This is a grassroots effort put on by the VW community itself, relaunching one of those fun magazines that was bringing the culture to the market. They've got subscription packages all the way from $1.99 in the Founders Club, all the way to donate five bucks just to do your part to help get this back on the scene. This magazine for the people's car is for the people, and it's by the people. So now you guys can be a part of history and could tribute to help get this magazine relaunched first issues coming out shortly so stand by to get more details on that but for now go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and support the relaunch of vw trends magazine if you enjoy this podcast and i know you do make sure you share with a friend so that they can enjoy let's talk dubs podcast if you want to support the podcast go to letstalkdubs.com go to the merch page and pick up some merch get you a shirt a hat or some other cool stuff That'll be coming online soon. And also, I wanted to remind you guys that we are going to be doing our one crazy weekend again this year. So that's going to be slated for the weekend of September 24th. The next episode of this podcast, I'm going to come out with the details. I'm finalizing things with the hotel and casino. So don't book your rooms just yet because I'm going to get you guys special room rates for that weekend. So I'm excited to see all you guys again this year. It's going to be September 24th weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be Let's Talk Dubs and the Wagons one crazy weekend. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. This year will be bigger and better than ever. And don't forget to come to Vegas, cruise the strip, and win some cash money. That's what we do here in Vegas, pay you guys cash money, give you a little bit back since you're putting it all in my machines. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Bugarama Series live at the Car Show podcast. Mark Kuttner with OldSchoolPerformance.net on Let's Talk Dubs.
Okay, everybody. So we're back again with our Bugarama show series and came out here to Bugarama 85. And while I was out here, we hit it out of the park, saw a lot of people, did a lot of things and, and recorded a few podcasts. Now, while I was out in the swap meet area, one of my favorite things about the hobby is there's lots of people that are part of the hobby that are really into specific things. And just like me, when I listened to a podcast and I thought like, man, I'd really like to do a better podcast than what I heard. And I decided I was going to build a better mousetrap. But while I was out there today, I ran into Mark Kuttner. And Mark Kuttner has a, a little company called OldSchoolPerformance.net. And Mark specializes, at least today right now, and what I got to talking about was an adjustable cam gear. And we had a pretty good conversation for just a few minutes. And I said, listen, I want to do a podcast about this. So uh, on today's episode, I want to welcome Mark Kuttner out of Santa Rosa, California with OldSchoolPerformance.net. Uh, Mark, welcome to the podcast. All right, thanks. So the way that we typically start this out is we always start, we're going to get into the cam gear and some of that, but we always start out with your VW story. How did you get into Volkswagens? Uh, my parents uh, immigrated from Germany in the 60s, and so they had a 66 Bug, and that's kind of the first car I remember, you know, jumping, hiding behind the back seat and riding in that thing. And I grew up in L.A., so in the 80s, you know, Bugs were real popular. So in high school, I got myself a 64 Bug. Yeah. And just slowly started, you know, building that and kept it all through college. And just, you know, it's, I ended up selling that one and then finding a 59, which I then turned into a show car with a 2.4 liter twin turbo fuel injected water meth injected, you know, track monster. Get out of here. Yeah. And that was a 59. Was that Carver featured? Yeah, it was in Hot VWs and uh, Volks America. What year? Uh, I think it was June 12. It was in Hot VWs, and it had a single turbo 2110. And then I kind of I took it to a track day at Thunder Hill and wanted a little more and ended up wiping a rod bearing. And so instead of just fixing that, I was like, ah, let's go bigger. And, right. And, you know, I, the tur I knew that the turbo I had could only handle about 200 horse, so I wanted about three. So I had a spare. And I was like, well, <laughs> let's just do two of them. So... And, and being that they're variable vein or a T25 Garrett variable vein, right? I figured that would work. And yeah, so it's took it, taken a while, but I got it to work. So now when you say twin turbos, did you do a compounded turbo setup or a it's twin a par turbo? parallel twin. Okay, so they're identical two, turbos. Two identical tw variable two vein turbos. Two halves of the motor, basically right. same, same boost pressure. Yeah. Now, there's guys that have those ideas, right? Like all of us have those ideas. And then you acted on that idea like, I'm going to do it. What was your, did you have, you have a lot of experience and background in building engines and things like that? Or are you just a hands-on guy and want to do it yourself? Oh, I'm an engineer by trade. I'm a mechanical okay. engineer. So I've always been, I always wanted to, you know, push, push yeah. it and do something different. And not many people have done that. And, you know, there's reasons why, but. Right. And, and that, it's interesting because there's a lot of people like, hey, how come they don't twin turbo? How come they do? What are some of the pitfalls from an engineering standpoint, it, is it the configuration of the motor? I mean, what are some of the challenges with twin turbo? I think, I think the biggest motor? thing is you, you need a either need really small turbos or a really large engine. Right. So the turbos I have, they're a T25 frame, which they're a little too little big for that for that engine. Right. But being variable vane, you can kind of control that and get it to spool a little sooner by manipulating the veins. And I, you know, I figured out how to do that, how to have a manual vein control. So now let me ask a question specifically on that. So with like adjusting with a variable vein, 
are you does it a are you able to change the blade pitch somehow on these on these or, yes. or how does it adjust? It's it? not the blade of the turbine wheel, but they're they're I think twelve veins around the turbine wheel that they're very, it's a variable nozzle. Oh, got it. So the nozzle it's got a, a ring of veins all around the the turbine wheel, so you can basically change the nozzle size. So at low RPM, when you don't have a lot of exhaust gas, right. you can close them down and it speeds up the velocity. So is it variable on the fly? It's, it's can it be adjustable by vacuum pressure? Or? It's controlled by boost and vacuum. Huh. And then I've got a manual boost control bleed valve to 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 manipulate to, it. to, to manipulate the, the like the vein delay or the how, sure. how quickly they open. Now let me ask you this: Being an engineer, do you start obsessing over trying to get it super precise? Yes. To, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what's and, and usually a lot of guys it, it, on the street, right? The the old school boost gauge is typically like a sprinkler valve control, right? They they put it in a T line with a vacuum controller and kind of adjust the adjust the vacuum pressure. Like that's one of the old school methods that they used to do. When you're doing it, uh, are you finding, is there parts on the aftermarket that helped you control that? Or did you have to create something on your own to do that? I used a, a manual boost control T, mm -hmm. a TurboSmart boost T. Okay. Which is just a bleed type uh, boost controller that you'd normally use on a wastegate. Mm -hmm. But the veins are controlled by, controlled by an actuator, same as a wastegate. So it's the same concept. You're just, instead of opening a valve, you're, you're moving veins open and closed. Nice. And so... Once you finally got this, so you decided to go from, it was a 2180 at first, you said? 2110. 2110. Single. Then to 2400cc. So the 2400cc, that had to be full aftermarket case and everything? Yeah, it's got the aluminum case and 86 crank and 94 Ricos. And then I went as big as I could without going like crazy race right. motor. So you build this motor, you, you deal with all the plumbing and all the, and all the boost set up on it. And is, is this an injected engine? Yeah, it's fuel injected. What type of injection did you use? Electromotive Tech 3. So you're using like full full like full like race stuff? It's, yeah, standalone fuel injection, all laptop tunable. So we're, we're going to geek out a second over some of that, right? Uh -uh. So the, the, the reason why is, so I had a motor in one of my cars, a Type 4 pancake motor that used an SDS EFI setup. At the time when I did it in 09, like that was the cat's meow for a street drivable pancake configuration big Type 4. Later on, when I started moving, like, and it's interesting because the different worlds you go into, there's different levels where people say, this is the stuff. Well, I started dealing with these guys who do off-road racing and drag racing. And the guy said, stop wasting your time with this crap and get a Motec. And Motec apparently is like the most tunable. I mean, they're super expensive in the, in the brain in the, in the brain aspect of it. But I guess you can really manipulate those to be super precise. Why did you choose the, the EFI setup you did? Was it out of convenience of what you already had or what, did it meet the specs you needed for tunability? Well, you know, when I started thinking about fuel injection was in the 90s uh -huh. and an engineer buddy of mine was like, oh, you got to use Electromotive. They're, they're the best. And they, right, right. They, they have the highest resolution ignition system on the market. And what does that mean, highest resolution ignition system? Uh, they have a 60-tooth trigger wheel. Most, most uh, other uh, fuel injections with like trigger wheel timing, they're like 30 or so. It's like it, it's so more finite precision injection like it, yeah. it keeps a tighter clock the timing you can't get a better ignition system than that than what they use i think they even at least their their patent to the oems is what i what I, I i'm pretty sure of so all the oems are using basically their technology they sure. started in the 80s with fuel injection before anybody and now you build the 2400 
You get it in the bug. You can go, you can pull your cord up a little bit, get you some slack in there if it's tugging on you. Yeah, just pull. There's there's four feet of that in there, so keep on pulling. So, um, you end up building the 2400. So you finally get the 2400 dialed in and running. Yeah, it, it was a lot of trial and error. I, I was originally running uh, titanium rods and had, had a lot of failures with those. I kept wiping rod bearings. Why? Why? Now, what was the issue you were having with the titanium rods? From what I could find out. Mm-hmm. about titanium rods they have a, a service life they have a, a oh really like have, a heat cycle stuff like that that they can only deal with yeah they work hardened so over time they harden really and I, I bought them used from an old racer so they'd probably been they'd been in a like 10 10 thousand sure. rpm engine who knows what and so even though they were you know rebuilt and clearanced and all of that yeah they they just kept like seizing uh journal bearings so almost i wonder if the titanium under heat load starts to shrink a little bit or something i think it didn't expand as much as the as the steel crank crank. there you go Uh, that's my best explanation but i got to the point where it was just costing me too much money to to try to run those things so i just got your average h beam rods and and good luck from no problems no problems after that now the difference was you increase the weight right the rotating mass the weight on that that w- from yeah. titanium to, yeah. to steel right yeah those, ti- those ti- titanium rods are super light and they were sweet but yeah not, not worth not worth the headache not worth rebuilding your engine three times and so kind of getting into what you do and, and I'm going to go back and pull the feature on this and put some pictures and, and hopefully what what I'll do is for, I'll get your email and you'll have, I'll have you send me some pictures of some of the stuff that we discuss on here so that sure. I can add them to the blog page for this so those of you guys that are listening can go down in the details click on the blog link and you'll see pictures of what Mark and I are talking about now you make a, a, a specifically designed adjustable cam gear and was that did that come about from your trial and errors in building your engines? Yeah, I had been through many cams. I started with an angle TCS 10, TCS 20, uh-huh. and those are good cams, but they're they're an off the shelf cam, and you know they 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 worked well with my 2110. I had a TCS 10 in there, right? And it made probably 200 horse and I don't know 230 or so foot pounds. I mean, it was just instant boost and torque, which was. It worked great. Sure. Um, but going larger, I had, you know, I, that engine was really mild, small heads, and it, I wanted to build just a smile, uh, a mild two liter just to see what, what I could do with it. Sure. And it, it, it ran great. And so when I wanted to go bigger, I wanted to reproduce that. And So you thought you'll just bump everything up accordingly. Uh, yeah. And having two turbos on there, made it really challenging because yeah. it, it was over turboed so I, I had i did a lot of modifications and tricks and trial and error to now when you say over turboed are you saying you're just pushing too much boost too much air volume to get the fuel to catch up to it no not enough exhaust gases to spin the turbos oh so you can't you can't spool it good enough because you're not getting the you're, you're not getting the uh the exhaust pressure so right because you're cut you're basically cutting your exhaust volume down in half exactly yeah okay so i i did some mods and tricks and i improved that and i got it to work pretty well it's a little bit of lag till 10 pounds and then from 10 to 15 it just takes off like a like getting rear-ended by a cadillac yeah <laughs> but you know in all those engine failures and trials and error and, and things like that i started thinking about cams more and and i said you know i, I wanted a cam that was really designed for for that engine and for 
for, for low end torque, which is what I wanted. Well, and a side note to this, a lot of people don't understand. And I've recently been talking to some, a couple of drag races on the phone and a lot of these guys, some of their secret is cam timing. And we're talking about valve overlap and things to that degree, because those little differences of being able to scavenge stuff out of the combustion chamber, they make a big difference in, in quarter mile racing and engine response, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it may be something that's really overlooked by a lot of people. Yeah, I think it is. Not many people really think about it or realize it. I, I didn't until I started really researching cams and valve train stuff. And then when you said like, you know, I hear all these ghost questions about you could have some issues with this because when you're building a motor and there's like there's, there's just something missing and all the basics you've checked or seem to work out. Sometimes there's still issues that you don't even know and everything could be right. Your your push rod length could be correct. Your you know, your valve lash, like all that stuff could be spot on and it's still just something's not right. And so what did you find out when you started digging around? Uh, you know, I wanted something that was really tailored to that engine and so i didn't want just something off the shelf so i started talking to you know everybody cb scat webcam i mean everybody they all said oh yeah we got a cam it'll work perfect here it's this one you right. know they all had they all want to sell me an off the shelf cam and it's like yeah you know every engine's different yeah you know and depending if you want low end torque or top end you know i wanted the low end so i started talking to a cam guy dan ruddock real Real knowledgeable cam guy and he helped me come up with a, a webcam grind that would work really well with the rocker arms that I had and uh, the beehive springs that that I bought from him mm -hmm. so then I talked I called webcam and I and I said well I want to use this grind but I want to I want to do a split lobe which is similar to the, the angle cams right with a little smaller exhaust lobe and I want you know, 110 lobe separation angle. So it's like, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want it to do this in the engine. And, and your thought is webcam can do this. They manufacture the cams. Right. I yeah. talked, I talked to their, their, their top people for many times over and over and back and forth and came out, came out with, it was a one grind for the intake and then a different grind for the exhaust. And so they made me the cam and you know, I got it back and I degreed it, you know, so I got to the point where I want to know exactly what's what. So I, I they, they have a page on their website on how to degree your cam. Uh -huh. so I did that and I found that. And, and the degreeing with the cam, for those of you guys that don't know, so the cam gear has offset washers, correct? Most adjustable cam gears, gears. are like offset washers, yeah. which being a mechanical engineer that probably drives you crazy because it's it's kind of a eh, it's kind of close it's, it's a hokey hokey solution i mean it, it works but you know those those holes aren't drilled necessarily very precisely and, and as an as an engineer mechanical engineer you think like okay well that works in theory but what if this was done wrong what if that was done wrong how can you where's the where's the safety checks to make sure it's all the way it should be yeah i mean you could change those washers to get a different timing but you'd really have to degree it again to be mm -hmm. sure and it's it's kind of difficult to do it's it's just not to me it wasn't a good system right and i i, I knew about the dial-in cam from the 80s and 90s and mm -hmm. a, a buddy of mine had one so i i took a look at it i tried to make uh i tried to copy it and make a drill jig and it didn't really work you know right. a few of the holes would line up but the rest of them wouldn't so i realized like it's got to be exactly. really, really precise like i mean to the thousands so 
I, I said, well, I'm not going to try to copy this. I'm just going to do a clean sheet design. I, I drew up a schematic. I, I put where I want the holes, what degrees they're at, you know, made, made two schematics for a cam jig and a gear jig, uh -huh. took it to a machine shop. They, they did it all precision. Uh, and so now I've got precision jigs so I can drill a gear and I can drill a cam and they'll, they'll mate perfectly. And now the reason why you got so into cam timing and stuff like that, what are the features and benefits of advancing your cam timing or retarding it? Because maybe some people listening like think like, oh, well, that's just because this guy wants to super geek out about his stuff. But I think if you explain it in layman's terms, people know exactly why they want to have a little more control of their cam timing. Right. Yeah. The, there's a few reasons. I mean, it, like I said, the cam, the custom cam I had had two, already two degrees of advance in it. So I wanted four, so I just set my gear to two degrees and I had four. But you can get a cam right off the shelf and it could have, it could be off by one, two, three degrees. And you found that in and cams I, that you've purchased. And I have found that, yes. So you can correct that, that's it, it, one thing. And now if someone's not messed with their cam timing, that's not something they're gonna figure out. If they're just dropping a stick in with a straight cut cam gear, they're not gonna know that their cam's already advanced. Right, No. yeah, they'll never know. And, and, the, and, the, and the difference is, They'll buy a cam that says the power band starts at 3,500 and it comes on at 3,000 yeah. or, or, or vice versa. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it could be advanced or retarded and, and they wouldn't know. I mean, it's probably not going to be a lot. But, but they could also, could it also turn into, let's say, for example, the average guy puts a cam in all that stuff and he's trying to set his timing where it's supposed to be. And he's setting it at what? What are we getting? Twenty-eight degrees at full, or twenty-eight or thirty degrees at full RPM on a regular aspirated motor? Oh no, that's ignition timing. But what I'm saying is, like, if he's doing ignition timing and uh -huh. his cam timing is advanced, uh -huh. wouldn't in theory the ignition timing, if he's going at full advance, he could be experiencing things like it's running slightly hot because of that? Potentially. That's uh, like, and he might be like, I don't know why. You know, my motor runs at twenty-six degrees; it runs better than it does at full advance. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean. I don't know, I'm not an engine builder, and I'm just thinking, uh, and in my head, like, could that result in those types of issues where a guy's got a, a, a running hot problem and he can't figure out why because his timing's right on and everything's right on? Possibly. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the ignition timing would really come into play that much. Right. Because it's, you know, your timing's coming off, well. Because if, if it's holding the intake or the exhaust closed longer, it could build, it could build heat in the head. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if, if there's, it, and I'm just trying to play it out in my head. Like, could this be something that some people struggle with after they've built an engine thinking they've gone over every detail and they're not thinking about stuff like this and they're not getting the performance they thought they should out of the specific cam yeah, that they yeah, got. Yeah, it could indirectly have an effect, you know, not, not directly because the, the gear that's driving your distributor isn't, that doesn't change. Right. So, but potentially, yeah, having the valves open at it sooner or later could have an effect could have an effect on overall performance as far as drivability of the car yeah it's, it's possible i don't know how much i don't know if you'd notice well but you'll notice but you said when we're talking earlier you've got a you've got a breakdown on your sheet on your website you've got a breakdown of advancing a cam gear gives you what and retarding right. it does what? right well the, the main thing for advancing gives you more more low-end torque uh retarding will give you more top-end horsepower so i'll bet that just about every racer out here has got their cam retarded to give them more top end power because you're able to open a wide open without floating valves and right because because they don't need low end 
torque they're they're launching it who knows like five six grand yeah and it's just five grand and up right so they're not really worried about what's happening low end because they're already halfway through the rpm range right. at launch so i guarantee you they're most of it most of not all of them are, have their cam retarded to a certain degree and so based on the performance you're looking so if a guy's doing like trying to get his car and wants to be more of a freeway car, it's going to make a difference if the guys do more freeway driving or street driving, where his cam gear is going to be dialed in as far as satisfaction of the performance of his camshaft. Yeah. I mean, you can really just, it's just more tunability on the engine. Right. You know, and I, I like low end torque. Well, that torque so. is what you see. A lot of people, I'm a type four guy. Like I love type fours. Why do I love type fours? Cause you feel it. Yeah. You feel the torque. Now, the, the, and the difference is like the biggest difference I can say between from type four to type one. Type four is a Harley V twin. Type one is a is a is a ninja like a little crotch rocket, right? So like my bug here has got a twenty three thirty two type one in it, and it's like ripping fast. My buses all have big twenty six hundred type fours, but they're like lug it third punch it, and it yeah. gets up like a V eight. Like yeah, it, a lot of it's not like zing zing, but it's like it's got some bottom end, and so. My perspective has always been seat of the pants feel like your bottom end torque. So like you're saying on a street motor, you're going to want some bottom end torque. Yeah. So the process you went through to get the cam gears to be specifically dialed in, it it allows you to be able to fine tune your, your cam advance so that you can make sure what you're expecting is what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you know what what I would do is you, you take your cam, you set the gear to zero and you degree the cam and make sure that that matches your cam card and there's detailed i have detailed instructions there's on your site there's my detailed site, instructions yeah. on how to do that there's a link to to the webcam site that has a page on that so that's kind of like your baseline then after that if you want to advance it four degrees or retard it two degrees you just you know remove that one locating screw move the gear slightly you know put this put the, the locator screw in whichever hole has that many degrees and you know you're done you don't have to degree it again it'll be it's not an offset it's not an offset washer yeah. like you have a precision pin but essentially the screw goes in as a pin exactly yeah. locks the gear in it's a locating pin and you're getting exactly and you've got to set it what increments uh two four six and eight degrees at the crank so two, four, six, and eight degrees, and you can either advance or retard in either direction. Yes, plus or minus up to eight degrees wow. at the crank in two degree increments. And that, I mean, the biggest difference that's noticeable to you from that is what? Is just the, if you're a drag race motor, you might be able to get 500 more RPM out of it if you're dialing it in that precisely and not float valves and have better top end performance and know that you're right where your cam is supposed to be. Yeah, and you know most of the other gears on the market with the washers, uh, you you get up to about four degrees of adjustment. That's it. That's it. So mine will do double that. Now, why would you do eight degrees? Just I mean, I'm just well, asking from. Well, let's say your the cam has two degrees of advance in it. You know, by itself, right? And, and you you want six degrees retard, then you you need minus eight degrees. Got it. To get to minus six. And by by manipulating a camshaft like that, I mean, so you're able to get, let's say you wanted a SCAT C30, but by manipulating the, the advance like that, you can make that camshaft perform in a different power band. Yes. So you can either increase, and, but it, was it, and is it 
from a camshaft standpoint is it on a sliding scale. So if it comes on at 2,500 and then you advance it, it moves and it comes on a 3,500, still has the same power band range. Uh, is it, it typically how they work? It should. If you if you advance it, it'll give you more bottom end. So you should feel that that torque should start to come on a little sooner. Mm-hmm. And retarding it, will you'll feel more horsepower on the top end. And so with the with the with the cam gears that you've made, um, so you have the cam gears special made for you. You buy previously made cam gears, then modify them to fit. Yeah, I buy I buy gears and I convert them mm-hmm. to the dial a cam system. So I get I found a source for steel straight cut gears. They're made by an Australian company. Good and quality gears. They're, yeah, they're real good quality. They're 8620 hardened steel, just like every other gear. Uh, they're good quality. I use carbide bits to make the holes, so they, you know they cut real clean. Um, the aluminum gears are pretty much your standard adjustable aluminum gear. Yeah. And and then I've whenever I come across some stock OE gears, I can convert them to. Oh really? So you can have. Any, any one of those gear options. Now, what's the quality to you? In your opinion, is the quality of a stock gear, a good stock gear, usable? Like they're, they're really good quality cam gears? Uh, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with a stock gear. You know, if you're running a helical gear. Right. Uh, they're they're extremely light because they're magnesium. Yeah. Um, so it's more lighten up the valve train a little bit. Yeah, it kind of depends. Like there's there were a couple of like 36 horse guys talking to me, the, the, the guys that... They hop up a 36 horse. Right, punch it out to like an 1800. Try to yeah. get 20 more horsepower, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like that. That's the old school performance stuff. So you can actually so you can actually retrofit someone else's gear. They're building a, a Hypo 36 motor yeah. and they want a little more bump on the stick, have a little more performance range. They can send you the gears and you can mod those gears. Yeah, you can send in your cam and your gear. If you already have a gear that's that uses the offset washers, I can convert it. Uh, or otherwise send in the cam, I will drill and tap it, convert it, and then send it back with whatever gear you choose with varying amounts of adjustment, you know, four, six, or eight degrees. And, and how, how long have you been making the gears and, and doing this? I started making it last year. And what's been the feedback you've been getting from people in the VW scene? Uh, pretty good. You know, I've had a had an ad on the Samba. I had an ad in Hot VWs, mm-hmm. and it's getting a, a lot of interest here. Um, Hot VWs came by and sounded like they wanted to do a like a parts bin feature on it. And um, yeah, like some of those couple of 36 horse guys were interested. They wanted to probably nice. send me their 36 horse gear. So your motivation to do this. When you thought, because you've obviously got a day job as a mechanical engineer. Right. Did you just feel, I mean, you just feel the hobby deserves, like, to get the, the, the adjustability over the dial of gear that used to be in the production back in the day that's no longer in production? Is, I mean, because that's where the idea comes from, but and you added more more advanced and retard to it than was available before? Uh, it, uh, the, the original had eight, eight degrees. Did it? Um, the, all the locating holes were larger. They were 516s, like the, the normal the regular three bolts. yeah so i reduced that to quarter inch to so there's actually there's more meat on the gear right um and back in when those were available you had to buy their cams to mate with them right so as far as i know the, the only cams they sold are like big race cams so they really only sold stuff to the racing market so 
And it's probably something that wasn't long lived because when you're going to a, a limited market like that, there's not a lot of exposure to that. But this could be something that people use in the off-road market, in whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that's a huge market, especially now that there's this big resurgence in the 1600 classes and some other things. And those are some of the things that I think are permissible to do within the modifications and off-road racing to be able to allow you to allow the, the latitude where you're still within the same category. You know, I think cam timing is something that you can tweak pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, how do you see... How do you see this being accepted by some of the racers? I mean, who's your who's your key or, or your, your most important person that you think would benefit from this? I would say anyone you know, racing and any of the like high performance gearheads with street cars that want to experiment with can timing. It's it's the the quickest, easiest, and most exact way to change the, t- the cam timing. You know, besides, I mean, all you have to do is take out your oil pump. Mm-hmm. So. Once that's done, you can adjust. I mean, it probably takes five minutes to adjust the timing. So you can do it. You don't got to pull the motor of the car and all that stuff. Once right. you've installed the gear like this and you don't like the way it's running, I mean, you pop that pop that oil pump, adjust that cam gear, Correct. and all the instructions on how to do all that stuff's on your website. Right, yeah. I've got detailed instructions that, that come with, with each gear. And, it, and the website that he's got is uh, it's oldschoolperformance.net. Um, what other type of stuff are you are you really into that you think that you'll see yourself doing in the future as far as old school performance type stuff? I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it. I've been kind of putting a lot of time into this, yeah, and trying to get it out there because it's something that a lot of people never heard of from from the '80s. Yeah, so, some guys were like, "Oh yeah, I remember that," and but since it was it was kind of marketed to the racing market. I don't think a lot of people knew about it. Didn't have a lot of experience with it. And the nice thing about this system is. Any, any type one flat cam I can convert. So you have unlimited choice of, of cams there. You don't have to buy their exact cam. a specific big giant racing cam. So, I mean, you could do a stock cam, anything. Nice. And there's just a lot of options there. Yeah. No, that's, I, I, you know, I, and like I said, when, when, I, when I saw you over there selling that, I thought, you know, that, that's what I love about this hobby is that, you know, the bug is the great equalizer, right? The Volkswagen is like, doesn't matter if you're a mechanical engineer or a tile contractor, right? You're going to be... You're in the hobby, and you take what you know from your background and apply it. Now, I'm going to ask you one question since you're a mechanical engineer. I'm going to start picking your brain here. This is just me thinking as a regular guy off the street. Straight cut gears people use because they can spin them faster with less resistance? Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a re- less resistance. Less because there's no thrust on the cam. Because helicoil gears were designed specifically to make it quieter. Correct. So you don't hear that. Now, right. this is my question from a mechanical engineering standpoint. Wouldn't the noise that the that the gear makes, the noise also creates a vibration in the engine? Because I don't think, because that noise is, it's a harmonic noise and a harmonic noise. I, the only reason I'm thinking about this, I'm putting pieces together, right? I'm driving, I'm driving my Cummins turbo diesel. And all of a sudden one day it just starts smoking from under the hood like crazy. And there's a short fuel line that kind of comes up and it dog legs over. And it's one of the back injector lines. And they say that the angle of the line, the fuel under high pressure creates a really high frequency. Mm. And over time, it like wears the line out. So I started thinking to myself, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, well, I wonder if straight cut cam gears, although there's less thrust on the cam, they do make that high pitch, that high pitch whine, which could equate to some kind of a little bit of vibration. So I didn't know if that, would that stand to reason at all that it may create a little bit of like a linear vibration through the motor or no? That, that's definitely possible. That's a good point. You need some kind of 
device to measure that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, I'm just curious because I keep thinking like, you know, back in the day, there was those guys that had the little rod they'd put to their ear and they put it to the end. They put it to the crankcase while it's running. Oh, to yeah, see if they could, yeah. Yeah, like a stethoscope to see if they could figure out like, oh, is it a rod knock or a lift or knock or you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's what made me think of it when I started thinking like, you know, about cam gears and straight cut cam gears because nothing sounds meaner than straight cut cam gears. I mean, it just it just tells you like that's the VW telltale sign that you're ready for business. Right. You got some straight cuts whining back there. Yeah. So. Um, so you've, you've got your 59 bug, um, that you had featured in the magazine, right? 59, yes. 50, 59. yeah, 59. You still have that bug? Yeah. Yeah. You bring it out at all anymore? Yep. Uh, yeah, I've, I've brought it here many times. I've won best engine many times. Nice. Uh, I've got a, a bunch of awards with it over the last few years or so. So does it, so it still runs good twin turbo setup and everything's yeah, still on it? It's running really good right now. Yeah. Cause I've seen a couple of twin turbos. Now is it streetable? Oh Yeah. So could you, could you, if somebody, so somebody wants to check, cause I'm sure there's lots of guys out there that love to talk twin turbo stuff and things like that. They can get a hold of you through your website and kind of get, pick your brain for some knowledge. Cause obviously since you're, since you're so committed to like the hobby of like trying to help people out, I'm sure you give some people some insight, but cause I've seen a lot of different people. There was, there was a car a couple of years back in Florida that had twin turbo setups on. I don't know if you remember seeing it in the magazines, a convertible mm, out of Florida. I think so. And it had two, uh, yeah. two turbo setups underneath the exhaust but they came up the blow valves were inside mm-hmm. um I, I was just curious you know like because there's mo- you know there's a lot of people seeing see and do things the same way you have anything next on the slate that you want to build or do you feel like when you built your your 50 uh 59, 59. you're kind of right there with it uh, it it's pretty much I, I think i finally got it really dialed in it, it's running really well right now and i'm trying to drive it as much as possible i mean it's so you're driving it. It's not show only car. Like you're gonna drive that thing. Oh yeah, it's a driver. I mean, I I would drive it to the show here every time. I've never trailered it. I don't have a trailer. Have you ever just hammered it on the street? Oh yeah, yeah. I like to drive it hard too. Really? And I mean, there there's some blemishes on the paint, you know. It, but it's a driver. I mean, battle scars, it's right? Ten year old paint, but it still looks good. And yeah, I I like to drive it hard. I the suspension brakes are all set up to do track days. Oh, really? I've done a few track days at Thunder Hill, so it handles. So really you're well. talking like road course tracks. Yes. So you'll run that thing with twin turbos. It won't overheat. It doesn't. So what, and what kind of suspension you run on this thing? It's got uh, adjustable dropped spring plates in the rear, mm-hmm. uh, a four inch beam up front and custom sway bars. And you're still running a link pin setup. Yeah, link pin in the front, swing axle in the rear, Bielstein, custom valve Bielsteins. Hmm. Um, it's it's not slammed. Well, you can't you can't have a car slammed right. on the track. I mean, the rear is maybe about half a degree negative camber. The front's maybe one about one degree negative. And I mean, for for what it is, it handles really so well. So you you built it to run like this car is run because I've got a a fifty one split one that's been in the shop for a little bit, and the the premise behind this car is i used to take a, my 996 to the track in vegas or outside in pahrump they've got a really uh, a really great track spring mountain motorsports ranch and i thought there'd be nothing cooler than coming here in my split window bug and just ripping through this track so yeah. this bug that i've got i did one of the mandiola chassis on i'm excited to see how oh, it's going to run on the track because nice. you know i did a podcast with with kevin who picked up the mendiola it's the cool rides custom suspension now that kevin zagger makes and he picked it up he took over the suspension part from Mendiola, and I w- went a deep dive with him on that. And uh, apparently, that suspension was helped. The engineering was helped by Fox Suspension because mm-hmm. they had a partnership with Mendiola. So, 
it's been engineered and designed to work like that, but we'll see because I'm gonna put I'm, I'm gonna test it when I get my split window done because I'm running the Berg five speed, so close ratio four gears, plus a fifth for overdrive, and then it's got a 2600 Type four with 48s oh, on nice. there. So we'll see, man. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up, man? Or do you think we covered it all? No, I think it, I think that should should cover it. Well, that's cool, I man. I think we, we mentioned everything. Yeah, so anybody wants any more information, uh, check out Mark's website. It's oldschoolperformance.net. Uh, he makes a killer adjustable cam gear, super passionate about what he does. And what I love about the hobby, man, is, is if one of us out there listening today has an idea one day that they're going to build a better mousetrap, man, that they decide to build a better mousetrap, man. So, Mark, thanks for coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right, buddy. Thanks. The last episode of our Bugarama series. This weekend, I'll be headed to uh, the DKP meet, uh, Impy's Open House on Saturday, and I'll be going to the Bug Inn on Sunday. So if you guys are out and about in Southern California this weekend, cruise by, say what's up. I'll be out there in the old chop rod and uh, kind of bring her out to breathe some of that California air and get out of this Vegas heat for the weekend. So, And if you want to get a shout-out on the podcast, make sure you guys leave a five-star review, leave your name in the comments, and you'll get a shout-out on the podcast. Also, you can pick up some merch at letstalkdubs.com and support your favorite Volkswagen podcast. Also, make sure you guys share it with a friend. We love when you share the podcast. Until next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by VW Motor Security Blanket.